0: It's Friday, December 3rd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, day two of the lockout. Uh, we're not going to do a countdown every day, but uh, we're, we're in the lockout for, for day two. Uh, really, nothing has changed. We don't expect to hear a lot of movement or, or talk uh, from either side uh, through the weekend. Uh, maybe they, they take a fresh look at things on Monday and start new there, but uh, you know, as we were talking before we we started recording here, uh, it could be maybe a few days or weeks before we we see any real serious conversations about, uh, you know, a new collective bargaining agreement.
1: Yeah, Joe, they could, you know, maybe they, they uh, you know, maybe they meet or, you know, set up some meetings, but I wouldn't think anything, you know, concrete would get done until after the holidays. You know, I'm sure everybody's, going to kind of, you know, go back and uh, regroup and uh, come at this thing again. You know, I know Manfred and uh, Tony Clark uh, both said they're willing to negotiate any place, any time. But I would think, uh, you know, it sounds like these two sides are pretty dug in, right? And uh, it's going to take, uh, somebody's going to have to take a step forward here to to get this the ball rolling.
0: Yeah, and it, it just has that feeling sort of like, uh, back in the, the beginning of the pandemic and the, during the lockdown when they they were at sort of an impasse to to decide how to get the, the season rolling there in that what eventually became a 60-game season, uh, it, there was just like a, there was no sense of urgency from either side to get something done uh, right away up front as, as soon as the, the, the situation was announced. So, uh, it, yeah, it like settle in because it could be a while. Now, we did see uh, an interesting development. Uh, you know, some, some people pointed it out as funny. Some people pointed it out as maybe a little bit aggressive. Uh, but Major League Baseball, uh, on all of their properties, on MLB.com, uh, on uh, Baseball Savant, uh, everywhere that they were using uh, players' headshots or avatars' uh, images, uh, they, they removed all those and they've put up uh, blank headshots. In place of all those players' uh, photographs, uh, this has to do with name, image, and likeness. You know, we've seen that in the the college sports world, where you know schools have used name, image, and likeness of, of players for years, and and now players are getting paid for that. Well, the, the the legal side of it is, you know, Major League Baseball, understandably, doesn't want to be exposed to any sort of legal action uh, for using a player's name, image, and likeness when he's he's technically not uh, working for the, 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 the team or the league any, uh, at, at the time. So they decided to take all the, uh, the avatars down and and the players had a, a few interesting reactions to, to, to that, to say the least. Uh, what was your take on, uh, major league baseball
1: taking down the pictures of the, uh, the players on all their, their website properties? Yeah, I was surprised, Joe. I thought something was wrong with my computer, my laptop, you know, when I called it up. Uh, but, um, uh yeah like, i I know it's kind of it's a legal problem you know it's a legal situation you know it has to do with the lawyers it seemed kind of petty to me it seemed you know there it was planned it was you know executed as soon as the lockout started uh you know a couple seconds after it I mean you know it's just kind of you know one more uh you know brick you know one more straw on the camel's back so so to speak I, I loved uh Jose Jose uh, Ramirez's uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. avatar on on Twitter that was great,
0: <laughs> yeah. Jose Jose and, and Trevor Bauer I saw both responding to uh, to Major League Baseball. Interestingly enough, uh, a lot of players went and changed their Twitter handle or their Twitter pictures to uh, you know blank player faces, but Jose's uh, had his his branded logo with the jr eleven and his avatar was wearing the uh, the chain that was the ball that uh, you know with the with the spiked hair and the mohawk that that he had on the 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 really interesting uh, gold chain that he had last year and uh, Trevor Bauer who famously bumped heads with Major League Baseball over uh, the use of his own personal logo uh, on a t shirt uh, on, on an undershirt that he wore during a game last year uh, Bauer took his blank avatar face and covered it in that that logo and he said hey what can they do about it now? They, they can't stop me now. So uh, all very interesting uh, approaches to this sort of thing Uh, is, is that the sort of like, you know, shot across the bow that can, can damage negotiations even, you know, these are, these are player centered issues that we're talking about is, is the ability to control your own name, image, and likeness. And, you know, Bauer brings up a good point. It's his brand and he's out there on the mound he should be allowed to wear that and, you know, have the logo visible or whatever, but major league baseball prohibited him from doing it. They find him for, for being out of uniform that way. Is, is that something that could be taken up in the collective bargaining agreement is the, uh, the ability for players to use their own branding.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's something, you know, Joe, that, that they would discuss. I think there's more important issues to, to, uh, to deal with right now, but, uh, you know, certainly, you know, I was watching a, uh, NBA interview with uh, one of the uh, the Chicago Bulls this morning and he had some like uh, advertising on his on his game jersey so you know who knows what's going to happen but I guess that's that that's that goes back to the league now I don't know if the players are getting the cut of that but you know that that's obviously the next thing uh, you know that's coming here.
0: Well I I doubt that uh, baseball goes full uh, KBO or or whatever, and has uh, yeah, has yeah. advertising patches all over there. But you know, the steps have already been taken. They the players started wearing Nike uniforms that had the Nike swoosh logo on them. That's that's paramount to wearing an advertisement on their jerseys uh, every game. Now on field, on your on the the baseball fields, we've seen over the last couple of years uh, in the 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 areas just outside foul territory there, uh, up the third base and first base lines teams are allowed to sell advertising there on that, on that grassy area on that space. And we've seen it at progressive field. We've seen it at every other ballpark. Uh, the, anywhere that they can make revenue, I guess is, is, is open to that, but all of that revenue should be what's being talked about now in, in these negotiations. Uh, so yeah, they expect maybe to see more, more ads on players. If, if, uh, if things go that way, but you're right, uh, that is not a priority in these these negotiations. They're talking in these. Uh, I've heard that they're talking about you know three main pillars in these negotiations: uh, arbitration, uh, you know, big market versus small market, and you know how how uh, you know the the timetable for players to reach free agency. All of these things are are. Big fish out there for the the players' union to to sort of get worked into this this new CBA. Oh,
1: definitely, Joe. I think the, you know what what they're talking about. The players' association is changing the basic agreement. Basically, you know they they want to you know uh, you know have the two year every two every player with two years in the big leagues of service time be eligible for arbitration. They want to cut a year off our, our free agency from six to to five years, you know, they want to uh, strip, or I mean, reduce the revenue sharing that small market teams, uh, you know, share with the, you know, big market teams share with the small market teams by $100 million. Uh, you know, I mean, if they get, if if they agree on one of those, you know, that's, that's a monumental victory for them, but they want sweeping changes. And I guess, you know, in negotiations, you ask for everything, and then you kind of, whittle it down and, and see what you get out of it. But I, I just, I, I, if I'm the owners, I can't see them uh, bending on this.
0: Yeah. I, I it, it, It's been since what, 1973 that it's been uh, six years before you can be a free agent. Yeah. Well, that... no
1: since Marvin Miller had free right. agents, that's, that's, and, that was the, the, you know, and they agreed to all this and now, you know, they're kind of crying poor, they're, you know, they, they've been hurt by this system that they agreed to and now, now they want to change it. And, you know, I, I read some stuff that says, you know, the system is outdated. Well, the players had a chance to, to change that system, but they agreed to this. So, you know, that's right. what they're standing right now.
0: Well, and, and even you mentioned Marvin Miller, you go back to Marvin Miller and, and that time when they decided on six years being the, the length of service before free agency. Uh, Marvin Miller himself said, you don't want fewer than six years, really. You, you, that's sort of in that sweet spot area, and it was at the time, because he said you don't want to flood the market. You don't want to have, you know, so many young players on the free agent market. If you do that, the the older veteran players aren't going to be making any money. They're not going to be the ones, you know, getting the contract. So uh, I don't know if maybe – Maybe reduce it by a year. Maybe that's a, a, a compromise. But reducing it all the way to two years, I that's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, you know Charlie Finley, the old, you know the kind of the rebel owner of the the old Oakland A's, said make it make free make the make every player a free agent after every season, and then you'll see what happens. And and the <laughs> union didn't want to do that. I mean, uh, you know, they said no, no, we're not doing it that way. And that's you know one of the reasons they settled for six years and. You know, Joe. I think you know. I, I saw something that that said, okay. You know, if if you're the if you're the if you're the guardians, and you've got a player like Lindor, you know, okay, you, you you manipulate the service time so you get an extra year, so you get six years turns into seven years. But when you get to that that threshold where where he's he's one year away from free agency, you trade him. So you know, and if you reduce it, you know, you trade him in his fourth or fifth year. So if you reduce it. Let's say free agency in five years, your small market teams are trading these guys in their third or fourth year. You know, so you know it, it. It really hurts. It hurts teams like the Guardians. I think.
0: Right. Yeah. It. It will. I. I and that's the big fear is that uh, out of uh, out of these negotiations, the small market teams aren't going to have a big enough voice. They're they're the ones who are going to get hurt by whatever the owners do agree to, and it's it's going to wind up being you know, somehow a hardship on teams like Cleveland, small market teams like, uh, Tampa Bay. And, uh, it just, it, it's, it, it could be, it could have negative ramifications for, for a, a long time, uh, you know, moving forward. If, if, if teams with the small markets do not have a, a strong voice at the table in these negotiations, uh, wanted to uh, make sure we mentioned, we didn't mention the other day, uh, uh, right-handed pitcher Ainel De Los Santos, uh, 25 years old. He's been signed to a, mi- uh, yeah, a minor league contract with a major league invite to spring training. That happened right before the lockout was imposed. Uh, Guardians signed him. So he's really the uh, one of the first real uh, signings for the Guardians uh, <laughs> ever uh, as the Guardians. Uh, De Los Santos, 25 years old, was with Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Uh, last season was had a 6.37 ERA uh, over 33 relief appearances, um, had 48 strikeouts to 18 walks in what 35 and a third innings. So we'll we'll, we'll see uh, you know if he has a chance to make the the 40 man roster. This is when, uh, probably another one of those uh, you know it, it throw an invite out there and see how he comes to camp and then just to see if there's any chance to give them uh, depth in, in the bullpen?
1: Yeah, definitely, Joe. And um, you know this guy, this guy could be the answer to a trivia question. If this thing blows up, if if we're still in August and they haven't and they're not playing baseball, who was the last who was the last player signed by the Indians or the I mean by the Guardians or the, or the first player? <laughs> the, the first player, player the only the
0: player government. signed by the Guardians. he'd be the only yeah. player in camp. Cause he's a, a minor league uh, contract. So, you know, they can invite minor leaguers to camp, but yeah, who knows? All right. Speaking of inviting minor leaguers to camp, uh, we want to jump in and talk about uh, the last of our um, players who were on the 40 man roster at the end of last season and heading into this season and sort of uh, you know, a recap of, of what we did uh, looking at guys on the 40 man roster countdown. And looking forward to 2022, we will uh, we will pick this up again later on in December with uh, some of the the new guys, the new ads to the 40 man roster uh, who are prospects. Uh, we'll, we'll do it as a as sort of a prospect preview. Uh, but the last guy on the uh, on the list here is Logan Allen, as uh, selected by our subtext subscribers, Logan Allen. Uh, an interesting season, uh, probably a, a bit of a disappointing season uh, overall based on the way that he came out of spring training and the expectations that were there uh, as he had he had performed pretty well in spring training and had had basically won that fifth starter spot and then came out in his first uh, you know several outings in April and just was a, a complete letdown.
1: Yeah, Joe. Uh, uh, really, kind of an, like you. You hit it on a, on the head. Just an up and down season for uh, Logan. Um, uh, you know, had the great spring. You know, beat out uh, who did he beat out? Uh, he beat out uh, beat out Cal Contrer. Right for for the fifth spot or the fourth or fifth spot. Then uh, he had five starts in April. I think he went zero and five in April. Got sent down to uh, to Triple Got hurt down there. And then, kind of, was was on the uh, you know the uh, was on was on the uh, you know the circuit between uh, Columbus and Cleveland for several times. Uh, he
0: was he was sort of their their standby guy whenever you know with the shortage in the rotation, he was sort of on standby to always be there to sort of make a spot start or an emergency start for uh, the rotation when
1: they needed a guy. Yeah, I, I should say it was one and four in, in, mm-hmm. in March and April, uh, with a nine one nine ERA before he got sent down in those five starts. Yeah. And he, he was their emergency starter. Uh, he ended up, uh, you know, 14 pitching in 14 games, made 11 starts, uh, 6.26 ERA, um, 70 ERA plus, you know, which, which with a hundred being the average. So, right. you know, he, he was struggling, he was struggling. And, uh, people were making hard hard contact against them.
0: Yeah, just going back to that month of April, uh, it was it was atrocious. There there were some starts there. Uh, you know, the first couple of starts he lasted 5 innings but really didn't give um, really didn't give the the club much of a chance to win. Uh, the last like two or three you could tell by by mid-April he was so in his own head. He was giving up, you know, five runs, four runs, six runs were his last three starts in April. Uh, he gave up a pair of three home run games. Uh, strikeout numbers went from, you know, like five a game to like one or two a game. Uh, he, he really wasn't walking too many people then. But but like you said, the hard contact was was there. It was, you know, f- three, four, five hits uh, a game, an outing in a couple of innings. And then he was he was gone by the third inning each time. And and the the Indians had or had no chance to win those games.
1: Yeah, right-handers hit 280 against them with 10 home runs, and lefties. And and, you know you're supposed to have the uh, the platoon advantage if you're left-handed hitter against left-handed. If you're left-handed pitcher against left-handed hitters, lefties hit 342 against him, Joe. So uh, you know that you know he was struggling. I don't know if if Logan was you know when he went down, it seemed like he went on the injured list you know, fairly quickly at Columbus. He might have been, you know, pitching hurt or maybe maybe he, you know, he was trying to, you know, pitch through something in in April and May or in March and April, but, uh, you know, something wasn't right there.
0: So in spring training, I remember Logan Allen talking specifically about getting his slider to bite more to right-handed hitters to, to throw it basically at their back foot and to have it, you know, working the way that he really had a good feel for it, and once he could do that, he he mixed that with a, a pretty decent changeup, and you know he he was he was effective in spring training. He was he went out there and he had outings where he was uh, basically unhittable, but it was not able to translate into the regular season, and you just wonder if you know there was something. Like you said, physical there, but also just a a mental component to it. What uh, he he's he is absolutely one of the nicest guys you will ever talk to, and you 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 felt awful for him uh, having those kind of results. But, uh, nice doesn't cut it if if you're not out there getting guys out.
1: Yeah, you know, and the thing was, Joe, that that you know, in 2020, his his fastball, uh, velo was 94 miles an hour uh, last this past season it dropped to 92.6 uh his hard hit percentage like we were talking about 32.4 percent in 2020 it jumped to 45.1 in 2021 so you know i don't know if he just got overexposed maybe you know because he was in the rotation he was getting regular work there um but you know something, and, and like you said, his slider is still his best pitch. Uh, the opposition only hit 250 against that, but they hit 326 against his uh, fastball.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. If you look at his percentile rankings in uh, in, in on Baseball Savant, uh, everything's in the blue. He he was really you know below league average in a, a lot of categories. Uh, really his, his curveball spins. The only thing that rates, uh, you know, above average there, but I, I don't know. I, is, is this a guy that the, the front office uh, still believes in? Is, is there, is there something there that they can, they can try to get out of him in the season?
1: Well, I think, I think there is Joe, you know, they, or they may, may have taken him off the roster when they made so many changes, you know, uh, at, at, at the 40 man roster to, uh, for the, well, the now, uh, kind of delayed rule five draft, but you know, he's 24, he's out of options. So, you know, that he was kind of a prime candidate to maybe get taken off the roster. And the fact that they didn't, you know, shows they still see something in him. He's still maybe a depth guy. And he did pitch better in the second half. You know, he had a three nineteen batting average against in the first half. He dropped that to two sixty seven uh, in the in the second half. He made some relief appearances in the second half. Um You know, he he kind of, in September and October, he went one and two with a 4.57 ERA in 21, over 21 innings, six games, three starts. So, you know, he he did start to come around. Maybe he got healthy. And he just looked a little more comfortable on the mound to me. He got, there was that one game against Boston where he pitched really, really well. You know, got deep into the game, six, seven innings, you know, and that was encouraging.
0: So with no options left, he either has to make the club out of spring training uh, and uh, you would assume that would be in some sort of relief capacity, maybe as a long man. Uh, do they carry, you know, three left-handers with Sam Hentges, uh, Anthony Ghost and, and Logan Allen as well. Uh, you got to Well, you got to wonder about that. Um, I mean, this is, he's, you got to consider him right now, a long shot to make this club out of spring training. And if that's the case, he's a long shot to, to stay with the
1: organization. Yeah, I would think so, Joe. I think this is a guy that you might kind of package in a deal. Maybe you know if somebody wants is you know everybody's always looking for starting pitchers, and uh, you know this Logan's a starting pitcher. I don't think he's really a reliever. Uh, you know he, uh, but uh, you know so maybe maybe he's a trade candidate or, or maybe he has another spring like he did this past year and and kind of you know gives himself puts himself in position to make the ball club,
0: right. All right. Well, uh, Hoinsey, that's going to wrap up a a truly interesting week here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, We went from having uh, went from having to baseball, not to not having baseball. And uh, the the outlook right now is pretty bleak over the next next couple of months. Uh, But we'll be here. We'll still be talking about uh, uh, the Guardians, the league and and anything else we can come up with, because, oh, boy, it's it's going to be a long winter. Uh, Looking forward to it with you here uh, on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll talk to you again on
1: Monday. All right, Joe.